0: Well, good morning, everyone. (laughs) I hope everyone's doing well. I have a few announcements um, for us today. The first one, I don't have to tell you this. We're all adults. But if you are sick, it's okay to stay home. We are aware that there's a flu going around the valley through the high school. Unfortunately, it's going through um, Continuing Care Center right now. So if you guys feel sick at all, it's okay to stay home. We have online services, so please join us there. And just another way... Just to protect one another, so and it 's okay again that you can stay home i don 't want you to stay home, but it, you, you have my permission that, that, you don 't need it, but um, the next one is different ways to give here an offering for tithing. A lot of people don 't know we have online tithing, we have the old fashioned boxes in the front and the back, and we don 't do the passing of the um, I guess it's the plates anymore, but there's all different ways to give here. And you can set up monthly giving, or you can give on the way in and out. So I just wanted to remind everybody of that. And then as Matt says, afterwards is going to be off the hook. We have a slip and slide. We have a dunk tank where I think there's a rumor that Pastor Richie might be under there. (laughs) I know he volunteered me, so I brought my swim trunks too. And anybody can get under there. There's a slip and slide. We have a volleyball net. I'm in water balloon toss. We have root beer floats for a fundraiser for um, missions. I park it at Mark because Mark's in charge of our missions. Um, So it's just going to be a great celebration of the family getting together and just having fun and just getting each other wet. If you don't want to be wet, you can stay on the inside. But a a fair warning, if you're anywhere out and about, you're going to get wet. So it's going to be fun. So, Mark?
1: So the, uh, the root beer fundraiser is not for me personally. As much as I might like it to be, so it 's not we have ice cream, we have root beer, and it really is uh, just uh, fundraising for the Mexico mission trip that we 're going on there's uh, we have twenty people signed up right now, so we 're the Lord is really providing the people and providing the money so far, we have raised ten thousand nine hundred dollars. Um, So and I want to just – I think it's important to keep reminding everybody that we really have kind of three core churches that are involved in this mission trip that really partner together. So there's the Orchard Church back in uh, Virginia. I was just talking to some people from there. Yesterday, we have four people flying out from Virginia uh, to join us in uh, Ensenada, and they have actually raised and already provided $5,000 towards the construction of the house. Um, Here at the well, actually, I don't have current numbers because Bill is gone this weekend. But as of last weekend, we had raised $900 here. And uh, actually, our partners and friends down the road, uh, the First Baptist Church has actually raised about 5000 themselves. So that's kind of where the whole money has come from so far. Um, even though we've got 20 people, we do still have uh, room for a few more. So if the Lord puts it on your heart or you know someone who might like to go, it is not too late. Um, I do need to get people to register really within the next week or two. So if you're really thinking about it or you're kind of on the, the bubble, talk to me, just You know, hold your nose and jump in. Come on down with us. We've still got some openings. Um, And the last thing, uh, there's some uh, flyers out on the uh, welcome cart, and there's a sign-up sheet. We are having the taco bar like we had back in May. Did everybody like those tacos back in May? Uh, Our own Tyler Morris. Tyler's gone this weekend. Uh, But Tyler and Dio and some other guys are going to be kind of barbecuing up taco stuff. It's going to be on Sunday, October 8th. Uh, so please make sure you're here that week and we're going to be raising a lot of money that week too so um, those are the final announcements
2: man we are so blessed here with that uh, gifting of music and worship Uh, are you blessed you came today Yeah. yeah i hope you are because um Uh, I'm excited. I'm excited uh, for our time together in the Word right now, and then uh, especially afterwards as we celebrate the fall as a church family. Uh, Last week, uh, we began looking at this uh, passage in Mark 2 where Jesus has this interaction, confrontation, kind of like in-your-face moment again with the Pharisees. And if you don't know the Pharisees, they're the religious leaders. Kind of in the Bible, they they represent the, uh, the Old Covenant, the Jewish traditions and laws. And the key verse from last week that we looked at as part of this passage was, was Mark 2.27, and he says this. This is uh, Jesus talking to the Pharisees, he says, and he said to them, The Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. And you're going to see later in context that there's an issue that comes up because the religious leaders are accusing Jesus and his disciples of breaking the Sabbath law. And they kind of get bound on a shape, and Jesus kind of confronts them once again. You know, in Mark chapter 2, we've seen, you know, these kind of ongoing skirmishes between Jesus and the Pharisees. And uh, we looked at last week that really what had happened, and, and why I start with this verse, is that the religious leaders had flipped it. That God originally intended the Sabbath, a day of rest, the word Sabbath means cease and stop, as a blessing. But the religious leaders had turned it into a burden. Okay, in fact, Alan Carr says this. The Sabbath was given to man out of the grace of God. God gave man one day out of seven in which he did not have to work for a living. Man was to take that one day per week and he was to rest from his physical labors. Man was to use that day for reflection on what the Lord had done for him the other six days. Man was to use that time to rest his body Reflect on the blessings of the Lord and refresh his spirit by worshiping the Lord. That was the original intent of the Sabbath. By the time Jesus came to this world, the Jews had perverted the day and had so regulated it that it was no longer a day of rest, reflection, and refreshment. The Sabbath had become a day of endless rules, regulations, and burdens. The Sabbath as God intended it had ceased to exist. Right, And that's the core of what we're going to be looking at today. And, and I want to just ask you, because this was the application from last Sunday, when you think of coming to church, when you thought, when you got up this morning and you thought of coming here for whatever reason, did you see it as a blessing? Or was this more like another burden that you have to do as a good Christian? Right, Because I think if we're honest with ourselves, there are things in our Christian life, what we would even call the disciplines of our Christian life, that quite frankly are are meant to be blessings, but if we're not careful, we pick them up over time and we become so dutiful and so disciplined that what is intended to be blessings become burdens. For instance, I just said it before, church is this a blessing or a burden? Is this a have to or a want to? Did you come today excited and enthused to be blessed by God and worship in the word and fellowship with the church family or you here cuz you have to and if you don't then you're going to feel really bad and God's going to be mad at you, you know, and you're going to get a flat tire on the way home or some crazy thing like that, you know, all this weird superstitious stuff we bring into our faith, right? What about the Bible? Bible reading is that a burden? Oh, i got to read my Bible. Why? Because the pastor says it's good for me. Like medicine, right? Open your mouth, Ernie. Here comes Scripture. Choo, 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 right? Right? Take an honest assessment. Is your Bible reading? Is it a burden or a blessing? You look forward to it when you get up in the morning? You look forward, right? You have so many scriptures in Psalm 19. I delight in your law, O oh Lord. It's like milk. It's like honey. Are you, are, you, are you blessed by the word of God? Or is it just another have to? Another regulation in order to stay on God's happy side? Right? How about prayer? Are you blessed to pray? Do you look forward to praying, being in the presence of Almighty God? Because Hebrew says, in Christ we have the privilege to come to the very throne room of God. 24-7, 365. As children of God, as believers, you and I have the privilege. Not everyone on this planet has that privilege. To enter the throne of grace and come before God himself and find mercy and grace in your time of need. Do you look forward to that? Or is it just like, "Oh i got to pray." Because otherwise, you know, I'm going to feel guilty, and you know I got to check the box of prayer box, did the QT, right? So I checked the read my Bible, checked the QT, right? Is that a real blessing? Because some of these core things that, that we start out with as blessings, I'm going to guess some of you, when you first were saved and the scriptures came to life. And you understood them, and the Holy Spirit, like, boom, this is real. Boom, this is truth. Boom, I never knew this, right? Some of you are like, you couldn't get enough. Amen? Now some of you don't even know where your Bible is. Where is that thing? Gosh, it's been so long. And years ago, you just got up. You went to sleep reading. You woke up reading, right? Some of you, back in the day, I'm going to date myself, went to Christian bookstores, and bought real books cuz you couldn't get enough of you know the word and studying but why is it that over time church the bible prayer they're no longer seen as enthusiastically embraced blessings but now like the pharisees did with the sabbath we flip these blessings into burdens we have to. We have to. And little by little, you have lost your joy. Little by little, your relationship, right? We always say Christianity isn't a religion, it's a relationship. It's a new covenant, right? You're in God's family. Little by little, that joy of being born again into God's family, where'd it go? Where's your joy this morning? The simplicity of joy, right? That's why I love when the family starts showing up here and I look at the little kids, the toddlers, and the long ones, they're just with mom and dad and the world is good. You look at the simplicity of of childlike faith and just relationships and they're like, what happened to our faith? When did we, maybe like the Pharisees, flip things And what God intended for good, what God intended for blessings, we have turned into burdens. And just reasons to feel guilty, reasons to feel depressed, discouraged, a failure. And now, maybe you're here, maybe someone is watching this because you have to. You're here because it's just a really good thing to do and you know, you, f- you could fit it in today, you know, I don't know, but that's kind of what's going on here as we look through this passage where Jesus and the Pharisees are having this bit of a confrontation, and he's calling them out, and the core of what he's calling them out is like, God gave man the Sabbath for a blessing, but you religious leaders have flipped it into a burden and now all the joy and all the life has been sucked out of it. And now people are just waking up wondering how many rules they're going to break on this Sabbath. And I just wonder how many of us as Christians, you wake up not entering the day with joy and life and, and enthusiasm to see what God's going to do. But you wake up and you wonder what your scorecard's going to look like at the end of the day. How many strikes did you get today? Right? And little by little throughout the day, you keep track of the strike, 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 strike. And if you remember before you go to sleep, you'll clean up. You know, try to zero out the account. That's just the burden. That's just, that's not what God intended for this relationship. Jesus said in John 10, 10, I have come that you may have life. Everyone say life. And life abundantly. Everyone say abundantly. Okay, Jesus came for us to have abundant life. So I just want, just survey says in your own heart, in your own relationship with Jesus, how abundant has it been? And I'm not talking like abundant resource. I'm just talking joy. And as Matt said, rejoice. Where are you at today? Jesus said that he came to give us life and life abundantly. And if we're not careful, even as good Christians, we flip it all. And because we become so burdened and we flip the blessings into burdens, the life just got sucked right out of us. And now we're just kind of going through the motions. We're not even enthused to share our faith because it's now mechanical Or we feel so guilty because we haven't shared our faith recently that now we're just buried in guilt and discouragement and, you know, despair as a believer. And now you feel too guilty to share your faith. And how many of us as believers, honestly, this morning are just wallowing in sort of survival mode, even as a child of God? how many of us just today and my prayer for us today for you here for you at home or where you listen to this that somehow the holy spirit will speak through the word and bring back life will touch you and will free you from whatever blessings have turned into bondage and burden to you because jesus came that we would have what life and life abundantly so maybe today you're just kind of in your faith, because you're not living in the blessings of God. Church, Bible, prayer, fellowship, serving, they've all, for whatever reason, become burdens and bondage and this thing, this pack that you're just carrying around as a Christian. Maybe today you'll be set free. Maybe today, as we look at this, you'll be like, oh my gosh that's me, I got to come back. I got to come back just to the simplicity of what God intended, okay? And again, it starts with good intentions. I'm really going to be serious about my faith. That's good. I'm really going to be disciplined about my faith. That's good. Be disciplined. I'm really going to carve out time. Yes, do all of that. But as you do all of that, don't lose the heart. That's what happened here. We're going to see the Pharisees, specifically regarding the Sabbath, they lost the heart of the Sabbath and now it just became about externals. It just became about externals and do's and don'ts and rules and regulations and they sucked the life right out of what God intended. He intends for our time on this Sabbath to be a blessing. Amen? This is supposed to be a blessing. This is supposed to be like you look forward to this. You look forward to this. How many of you look forward to going to a concert of your favorite band? Anyone? How many of you look forward to going to a movie you've been looking forward to? Right? We know those moments Disneyland, Yosemite, right? We all know that joy of just like we got to go. I'm so excited, I can't even sleep. How many of you, little, I couldn't sleep. We're going to Disneyland, right? We're going there. This anticipation, because you're about to be blessed and you're about to experience something good. Everyone say, good. Good, right? Why is it that church, the word, prayer, fellowship, service somehow lost its place in the good category? Where did all that go? Okay, and so I just, I'll just put that out to you because I believe that as believers, if we have life, an abundant life and we're just following Jesus in the best way we can in the power of the Holy Spirit, you know what? That's the attraction. That's the testimony. Abundant life, joy, contentment, rejoicing, whether it's here, whether it's at work, in your home, neighbors, that's the testimony, guys. That's the testimony. But we flip it. And then when we share the gospel, we, we include all these do's and don'ts, and we lay all these regulations on people, and they're like, oh, my gosh, are you kidding me? That's a lot. When really it's not a lot. It's just about Jesus. <laughs> We've just been singing about what it's all about is Jesus. So hopefully today some of you will be like the light bulbs will go on, and I'm prayerful that before you leave the service or even the fellowship time after, life will come back. Joy will come back and you'll actually literally have some things come into your mind that you're like, I turn that into a burden. I admit, God, I have not been looking forward to reading the Scriptures. In fact, I, have not look, I haven't even read the Scriptures. All right? How many of us, generational question, how many of us have ever caught ourselves scrolling too much? My hand's up. I was joking with my daughter yesterday. They were over. And, right? How many of you scrolled so much that low, low power comes on? Last night. How many of you ignore low power and then your phone dies while you're scrolling? Last night. Why do we do that? Because there's something in us that we're drawn to. Something in us that we find entertaining, enjoyable, right? We look forward to it. We keep scrolling, scrolling. What happened to that in our faith? Where did that go? Why aren't we, like, drawn to the blessings of God anymore? We're drawn to the things of the world, even to these little devices where we're scrolled till our battery dies. What's going on? And I hope, I'm hoping that this passage really, really helps us. And as I was thinking about the passage, I also thought about my wife, who's a teacher here in town. And for several years, she, she t- uh, taught a TK, which is like, what, four-year-olds? And now she's doing K1. And it's really interesting because at the beginning of the year, we have these wonderful discussions as she gets new students and you know, kind of gets to observe the students and how they do in classroom situations. And uh, it's really amazing because as she's grown as a teacher, what she's learned and, and what has been a real blessing to her students is she focuses on each individual student and on building a relationship with each individual student rather than being the teacher that focuses on rules, right? How many of you have had a, a rule-focused teacher growing up, right? Sit down, da-da-da-da-da, here's what we do around here, right? And you walk into that class, and you go like this, and right? And my wife, she has learned, at, even with TK and kindergarten, first graders, they all have stories. And in today's culture, a lot of them come from pretty dysfunctional, traumatic homes, even at that young age. And she spends the time to get to know them, know their story, because then she understands how to interact with them best, how to shepherd them in the classroom, right? And there was an axiom in youth ministry when I, when I would do youth ministry for years and years, and then I took it into, into my parenting with my five kids, and the axiom was rules without relationship equals rebellion, right? Rules without relationship equals rebellion. And, and I'll never forget that. Even as a youth pastor, you know, I get uh, junior hires and high schoolers bouncing off the walls, and it's really easy to want to try to give the rules of the youth group and the rules of this, right? And I learned the same thing with my wife. If I would take time to build relationships with these students, over time, many of them would want to walk in the rules, embrace the rules, be a part of what we're doing, but if I came off heavy and over the top, and here's the rules at youth group, and here's we sit here, and during the sermon you don't talk, and da, da, da a lot of them would just check out and just sit there. Pretty soon a lot of them would just stop coming because I didn't take time to get to know them. It was very rules-driven, very rules-centric. And, and that's what happened with the Sabbath, is the Pharisees made it into a rules-driven Thing. Versus what God meant it to be, a relationship-driven thing. So in Mark 2, 23, it says this. One Sabbath he, this is Jesus, he was going through the grain fields, and as they made their way, his disciples began to pluck heads of grain. And the Pharisees were saying to him, Look, why are they doing what is not lawful on the Sabbath? And he said to them, Have you never read what David did when he was in need and was hungry? He and those who were with him, how he entered the house of God in the time of Abiathar, the high priest, and ate the bread of the presence, which is not lawful for any but the priests to eat, and also gave it to those who were with him. And he said to them, the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath, so the Son of Man is Lord Even of the Sabbath. Again, through Mark 2, Jesus is affirming and asserting his deity, his ultimate authority in this passage. He's saying, look, I'm Lord of the Sabbath. Let me tell you what's really up with the Sabbath, Pharisees. That's what's going on here. He's asserting his authority to really kind of check him and put him in line, right? And it's interesting because in verse 23 it says, he was going through the grain fields, and as they made their way, right, his disciples began to pluck heads of grain. And the Pharisees were saying to him, look, why are they doing what is not lawful? It's kind of strange. It's a Sabbath. Jesus and his boys are walking through a grain field. They're hungry. His disciples begin to pluck grain, rub it, and start eating it. Now, we read that. My question is, what were the Pharisees doing in the grain field? Like, what's up with that? Right? Why? And... And I think that there's something in that because the Pharisees, at this point, because of what's been going on, they were just looking for another opportunity to accuse Jesus of messing up, making a mistake, violating a rule and regulation. They're just looking for another opportunity. Aha! Got you, right? And again, I wonder how many of us believers, rather than joy and freedom in Christ, it's aha. And I wonder if there's someone in your life that is actually more of a voice in your ear than the Lord. You're more scared of disappointing or having someone point a finger at you than you are of loving Jesus, right? And that's why we have to be very careful about coming across, even with the best of intentions, as one of those, aha, aha, right? It's so funny, you know, we live in a small town, yada, yada, so I can kind of see who's here and not who, not, not, uh, who's not here, and it's funny because I'll see some of you when you're not here, I'll run into you at Jim and Rob's or wherever we eat, and I say, hey, missed you Sunday, and you should see your face. <laughs> well, uh you, uh, you know, the family was in town, and we just, uh, you know. I'm like, it's okay, bro, I'm just telling you, I missed you <laughs> on Sunday. I literally missed you. I enjoy your company. When you're not here, I notice. But it's so funny, right? Because of my title, right? It's like I can't even say I miss you on Sunday without you taking it as, ah, violator. (laughs) Dale, you were at the range. You were because Linda outed me to me. I know when you play golf on Sundays, right? It's okay. I mean, things come up, you all have lives, I get that. So if you're not here, if you're not here, and, and I see you, it, I, and I say, I miss you, it's like, I miss you, not, I missed you, you know? Like, inflection matters, I get all that, right? But some of us, you're living your life with that fear. And maybe it's a voice in your head, maybe it's some well-meaning person around you, It could be the enemy, the accuser. There you go. What kind of Christian are you? You serve up there. If they only knew, that's what the accuser does. Keeps you in bondage. Keeps you discouraged. Keeps you depressed. You're a woe is me now. And you're more afraid of messing up than you are of living abundantly. You ever hear the phrase in sports, you're playing not to lose. Anyone ever hear that? Right? Play not to lose. You play not to lose, what happens? You lose. Because you're now defensive and you're trying to avoid the loss and your mind shifts, right? And and you go into this whole different mode. Rather than being aggressive and playing for the win, now you're on the defense. Don't lose. Don't lose. Don't mess up. Don't mess up. And you get all tied up in knots. You're no longer playing free. You're no longer using your gifts and talents. You're just trying not to lose. I think a lot of Christians are just living their life trying not to lose. You got to be free. You had to come back to the gospel. Because remember, when you came to Christ, based on what he did on on the cross when he was uh, crucified and rose from the dead, how many of you came and you said, thank you? Anyone? Anyone just say thank you? He took you right where you were, amen? Right, he took you right where you were. And the, the amazing thing about the good news of the gospel is like, oh my gosh, I can't believe this. Right where I am right now, not having to clean up one thing, just put my faith in Jesus, I'm in. Oh. Some of you got to come back to that. And you got to live in that. You got to run to win, right? First Corinthians 9, some of you stopped running to win, and now you're just playing not to lose, right? Pickleball, you got to play to win. You can't get tied up in like, oh, don't, don't lose, don't lose, don't lose, because if you focus on don't lose, don't lose, don't lose, why do you lose? Because you're focusing on Losing. Some of us are focused so much as a Christian of messing up. You got to focus on Jesus and running to win, right? What does it say in Hebrews? We run the race focused on Jesus. We're running the race. We run track, right? You don't look there. You don't look there. You don't look in the stands. You look at the finish line. Some of you got to stop doing this, and you got to come back today to Jesus. Just come back to following him, Okay? And so they're waiting for him, right? And, and based on Exodus and the Old Testament, right, about keeping the Sabbath holy, right, they get that. So they're waiting for him to violate, uh, you know, Exodus, the rules in Exodus about keeping the Sabbath day holy, right? And, and it's amazing because contextually at this time, remember, God had given the Sabbath as a blessing over time, the Pharisees and religious leaders had turned it into a burden, okay? And so here's some context. I love this because this will really help you to understand what Jesus is really going at here, okay? David Guzik says this. At this time, rabbis filled Judaism with elaborate rituals related to the Sabbath and the observance of other laws. Ancient rabbis taught that on the Sabbath, a man could not carry something in his right hand or in his left hand Across his chest or on his shoulder. But you could carry something with the back of your hand, with your foot, with your elbow, or in your ear, your hair, or the hem of your shirt, or your shoe, or your sandal. On the Sabbath, you were forbidden to tie a knot, except a woman could tie a knot in her girdle. So if a bucket of water had to be raised from a well, you could not tie a rope to the bucket, but a woman could tie her girdle to the bucket. There's your Sabbath. I'm still trying to figure out how to carry things on the back of my hand and in my ear. Imagine, this is, this is what Jesus is confronting. Okay? This, this is how extreme it had become. Brian Bill says this. Did you know that at the time of Jesus, Jewish leaders had established 39 Sabbath clarifications, with each having multiple subdivisions, making over 1,500 prohibitions? Here are some of them. It was unlawful to kill a flea that lands on your arm because that would make you guilty of hunting on the Sabbath. Uh, Just ponder that. If a man's ox fell into the ditch, he could pull it out. But if a man fell in, he had to stay there. It was okay to spit on a rock on the Sabbath, but you couldn't spit on the ground because that made mud and mud was mortar and that was work. So we kind of get, being raised in that culture, Sabbath wouldn't be a real joyful day, would it? Right? It would be a day where you're just like this, I can't move. I don't, I'm, I'm so scared to even move. I don't even know if breathing is considered work, you know? And I just wonder, in 2023, how many of us as believers have the same sense when it comes to the blessings of God? Things he intended for good, we're like this. Gotta read, gotta pray, gotta to go to church, gotta serve, gotta give. Rather than just, everyone do this. Welcome to the Sabbath. Loosen your neck, roll your shoulders. Gosh, man, we come to church. It's so funny, some of you come to church and the minute you sit, you hit the like tense button. You're talking, you're joking, I, so I watch you come in. And right when you sit, and like you don't move for like 45 minutes. It's amazing how you do that, right? Like, they're not even moving. I'm gonna, I'm gonna come over here, I'm gonna see if their heads follow, right? <laughs> but you won't even move, you just move your eyes. <laughs> God, just relax. Amen? Amen. This is a good thing. Knowing Jesus and being saved and knowing your name is in the book of life forever and heaven is your home. It's a good thing. Amen? Amen. Let's just relax. (laughs) Like, let's just relax. Like, seriously. Relax. It's good. Now, we're going to keep going here because Jesus, he doesn't get into a debate. Like our culture today, right, keyboard warriors, you all would have started, he, you know, you think Jesus would debate. Well, let's take, there's 1500, let's, there's 1,500 prohibitions. Let's start on number one, right? He didn't get into this long debate. What did Jesus do? He went right to the word. Great example for us today in 2023. When you're discussing your faith and you're sharing your faith, bring people to the word of God. Amen. I'm not saying you don't have discussions and you may, you know, but these arguing and this culture of debate and, you know, being right and rightness. At a certain point, you got to bring them the word of God and let the spirit of truth speak to them. Amen? That's what Jesus does. And he says, hey, have you never read in verse 25 what David did when he was in need and was hungry? He and those who were with him. How he entered the house of God in the time of Abiathar the high priest and ate the bread of the presence, which is not lawful for any, but the priest to eat, and also gave it to those who were with him. Now, if you keep that up for a sec, Jordan, look at it says, and he said to them, have you never read what David did? He says, this is important, key phrase. When he was in need and was hungry. Don't forget that. When he was in need and was hungry. He's referring to a passage in 1 Samuel. So here's the context. King Saul wants to kill David. David and some of his boys take off running. We've got to get out of here. We don't want to die. They head out in the wilderness. When they're in the wilderness, they get hungry. Right? They get hungry. So he goes to the, the priest and he says, hey, we're hungry, man. You, you got something? Can we eat something? Right? And in 1 Samuel 21:6, he it says, since there was no other food available... The priest gave him the holy bread, the bread of the presence that was placed before the Lord in the tabernacle. It had just been replaced that day with fresh bread. So in the tabernacle, the, it was called the bread of the presence or the show bread. Some of you may know that. It was 12 loaves. Each loaf represented a tribe of Israel. Every Sabbath, they would put fresh loaves in the, tabern- in the tabernacle. Okay? The old loaves were reserved, like according to Leviticus, reserved only for the priests to eat. Okay, that's what's going on here. So in 1 Samuel 21, six, what I just said, David shows up. Hey, man, we're really hungry. You got anything? The priest gives David and his boys the bread of the presence that according to Leviticus, only, only the priests were allowed to eat. Hmm. Now what's interesting, in 1 Samuel 22.10, The priest, it tells us that the priest had actually gone before the Lord and says it consulted the Lord about this. And the Lord said, good to go. Right? And so you're like, what's going on here? Well, what's going on here is that Jesus, as Lord of the Sabbath, is trying to make a heart issue because he knows that the issue is with their heart. He says, you know what? Human need is more important than religious ritual. He said, you know what? The spirit of the law takes precedence over the letter of the law. Jesus is, is confronting the Pharisees whose hearts have become so hardened that human need, human hunger is now cast aside, and now following rules takes precedence. And Jesus, under the new covenant, right, new wine, new wineskins, he's the bridegroom, everything we've seen in in Mark 2, he's saying, you know what, guys? You're missing it. Because remember, in that passage, says, David, when he was hungry and in need, God said, I'm going to meet that need. I'm going to meet your need, David. You're hungry and you're in need. Your human need takes precedence over ceremonial ritual. And I just wonder, as we in the church grow in our faith and get used to the things of the church, how many of us maybe slide more to rules and regulations and rituals and we lose our heart for the lost? We just become more numb and now we're more focused on doing church right, right? In Matthew 12, there's a parallel passage to Jesus and the Pharisees talking about this. And look, look what he says in Matthew 12, 7. But you would not have condemned my innocent disciples if you knew the meaning of this scripture. I want you to show mercy, not sacrifices. For the Son of Man is Lord even of the Sabbath. Key phrase, I want you to show mercy, not sacrifices. Hosea 6.6. 6. For I desire mercy, not sacrifice, and acknowledgement of God rather than burnt offerings. He's saying, Jesus is saying to the Pharisees, you know what? I care about your heart. I want you to have a heart of compassion and mercy for those in need versus elevating rules and regulations. Sacrifices. And that's where even in 2023, even in your faith and in my faith, do we somehow slide into doing Christianity right, and in doing it right, we have sort of have lost mercy and compassion for the lost. And it's become kind of self-centered, and it's about me doing it right or me not messing up. And we can even get a little bit self-righteous and prideful about how well we do church right, or how well we follow Jesus right. And all the while, Jesus is saying to us in 2023, hey, you know what? I desire mercy and compassion rather than your sacrifices. Right? Some of us need to come back to the heart of mercy and compassion as a priority for the lost. Okay? The Pharisees, with all their rules and regulations they had gotten to the point in their religiosity that their heart was so hardened that they didn't even care about someone being hungry and in need. they just become numb. They're more focused on following rules. And in fact, in Luke 13, Jesus again on the Sabbath does something that torques the religious leaders. Check this out, Luke 13. Now he was teaching in one of the synagogues on the Sabbath and behold, there was a woman who had a disabling spirit for 18 years. She was bent over and could not fully straighten herself. When Jesus saw her, he called her over and said to her, Woman, you are freed from your disability. And he laid his hands on her, and immediately she was made straight, and she glorified God. But the ruler of the synagogue, indignant because Jesus had healed on the Sabbath, said to the people, There are six days in which work ought to be done. Come on those days and be healed. And not on the Sabbath day. Then the Lord answered him, You hypocrites! Does not each of you on the Sabbath untie his ox or donkey from the manger and lead it away to water it? And ought not this woman, a daughter of Abraham, whom Satan bound for 18 years, be loosed from this bond on the Sabbath day? As he said these things, all his adversaries were put to shame, and all the people rejoiced, there's your word, Matt, rejoiced at all the glorious things that were being done by him. How crazy is that? On the Sabbath, a woman who's been disabled for 18 years, Jesus miraculously heals her, right? And people are like, woohoo! Right? And the, the ruler of the synagogue is pissed. Indignant, right? Intense displeasure. He's fuming. How many of you see something wrong with this picture? Anyone? Right? Right? How do you get to that point? 18 years, this poor woman has been disabled, bent over. Can anyone walk straight? On the Sabbath, Jesus does a miracle, changes her life, glorifies God. And the ruler of the synagogue says, You know what? We're open for business tomorrow, 8 a.m. Please come then. And we look at that and we're like, Uh, what, right, what, and yet I wonder how many of us, again, compartmentalize God and put him in boxes, right, we got to let God be God and do what he's going to do when he wants to do it, amen, that's part of the adventure, that's part of the, like, joy, of walking with Jesus, like he's going to go boom and boom. And you're like, this is crazy. This is way out of my box. Yeah, it's way out of your box. Because he's God. He's God, right? He's going to move when he wants to move. Later in Matthew 23, Jesus again calls out the the Pharisees, and he says this, "'What sorrow awaits you, teachers of religious law, and you Pharisees, hypocrites, for you are careful to tithe even the tiniest income from your herb gardens.'" But you ignore the more important aspects of the law, justice, mercy, and faith. You should tithe, yes, but do not neglect the more important things. Blind guides, you strain your water so you won't accidentally swallow a gnat, but you swallow a camel. I love that. What are you saying there? Great word picture, right? They needed to filter the water. So they get their filter, and they're real careful that these little tiny gnats don't get through the little pores in their filter, and they don't get in the water so they don't drink a gnat, right? They're like super meticulous about not swallowing a gnat in their filter and doing everything down to the detail, detail. And he's like, you know what? You guys are crazy. You spend all that time so you don't accidentally swallow a gnat, but here you are swallowing a camel. He's like, you have lost perspective. You have lost proportion and perspective about what really matters. You are caught up and bound up in all the little things. In all the littlest things, and you're missing the big picture. You know? And I shared with our our leadership team, we meet here Sunday 8, we go over the roadmap, we talk with the bridge, the tech team, and we go over everything. And I said, you know what, I celebrate here for 13 years that we have desired excellence and we want to serve you guys and the church community well. We want to have it clean and all the people that serve faithfully. But here's the thing. Even those of us who serve and get here at 6.30, 7, 8, whatever we do, we have to guard our hearts against swallowing gnats and losing the big picture that this is supposed to be Joy. See, if I've, been in, I've been in churches, and I know around pastors that we get real upside around here, and it's got to be just right. And this row's a little crooked, and the gap is not right. And who is supposed to vacuum? And where are the donuts, right? And you can get, we can, and, and I call it around here, we, we can get caught up in church them swallowing gnats, right? You're just like, you're so concerned about some, one little thing going wrong that we forget that this is supposed to be joy. So you all show up. And we've been swallowing gnats for two hours, and you're all happy to be here like How's your day been? Oh, it's been a morning around here. You know, a lot of gnats we've had to you know deal with, you know. And I just wonder how many of us in our Christian walk are caught up with filtering gnats. You're consumed with all these little things in your life. And all these little things have killed your joy. Just kind of think about it. Little irritations. How many of you get a little upset when things don't go your way? How many of you are sitting next to someone who gets a little upset when things don't go their way? Oh, big hands back there. Okay, so. Yeah, that was all your kids were like. It's okay, though. It's Okay. Anti nat. (laughs) Just kidding, no, you're not anti nat. Jesus is saying, Hey guys, you spend all these efforts trying to get not swallow these little things and you lost perspective, man. And I just wonder of us wonder how many of us in our walk we've lost perspective. And we're consumed with rules and regulations and filtering out little gnats that we've lost the joy of the Lord. Even coming to church, reading the Bible, praying, fellowshipping, sharing your faith, serving. It's not joy anymore. It's just something you got to do. It's one of those things, right? And so I just want us to come back today and just... It's all good. It really is all good. You, You realize that, right? Like, seriously. Like, if you're a believer and you put your faith in Jesus... You've been born again, and your name is written in the book of life. You know, it's all good. (laughs) Like, is it good? It's all good. Like, come on. Like, seriously. If it's not all good, there might be some gnats bothering you because you're focused on all these gnats buzzing around your head, and you gotta be like, it's all good. It's all good because in a human terms, worst case, let's say, you know, a lot of people say, worst case, you die on before you put your head down tonight. What's the worst case if you were to leave this planet today, if you're a believer? What's the worst case? You're in the presence of Jesus. Oh, wait, let's see. Then there's no more sin, no more sickness. There's a lot of no mores, right? It's really all good. It's all good. And yet, over time, like the Pharisees, we create rules and regulations, and we get caught up with the gnats in our, in our life, and we lose our joy. We lose our joy. I love uh, Brian Bill. Even as pastors, we can, we can kind of get guilty of this. He says this, I was preaching in our previous church one Sunday when I noticed a teenager up in our balcony texting on her phone during the entire sermon. I found myself getting upset even while I was preaching. I couldn't believe how rude she was being. It made me want to call her out, but I held my tongue. After the service, I made my way over to her, ready to tell her what I thought of her tenacious texting during my amazing sermon. Just before I corrected her, I overheard her tell someone that she was really bummed out that her friend didn't come to church that morning. When she realized that her friend wasn't going to make it, she decided to text the sermon in real time to her. I was busted. She was helping a friend learn about Jesus while I was being judgmental and legalistic. Human needs transcend religious rituals. I heard someone say that as we get older, we have to guard against the hardening of our categories. Right? Now, this does not mean, let me, let me, let me, let me explain this. Jesus is dealing with heart issue here. This does not mean that doctrine is unimportant. It doesn't mean this is a license to sin. It doesn't mean any of that, willful disobedience. None of that, okay? What it does mean is that as we follow Jesus, we have to guard our heart against hardening and being consumed with the externals and losing compassion for others. Losing compassion, right? And again, we try our best. You know, here we make it nice, and everyone sits in rows, and it's clean, and all this kind of stuff. That's okay if, if, if someone comes in and they don't really know how to do church. I celebrate. I celebrate when people come in here and they've never been to church before and they're kind of awkward. and It's great. Amen? Right. I had, a, I had a friend who was a pastor in Orange County, around Mission Viejo. And at his church, in his particular church, they had ashtrays outside their, main, their, their sanctuary. And someone got a little upset and asked my friend, "Say, said, why do you guys have ashtrays around here? What's up with that? Do you guys condone smoking? He said, and he, this was my friend told this person. He says, no, we believe around here and we acknowledge that people smoke, right? This was years and years ago when, when it was more prevalent. He said, but we also believe this. If someone comes here, finds Jesus, and begins transformation, that Jesus is going to deal with the smoking in their life. It's going to be an inside-out transformation, we just acknowledge on the front end that people who aren't believers and even believers, people smoke. We just want to give them ashtray so they don't bring it into the sanctuary. But see, someone had a category. And they were having a hard time with that. Right? So I know it still exists. And it doesn't mean that we're not a church where there's order and we have a road map and all this kind of stuff. What it does mean for us at the well is that we prioritize people. You because that's who God prioritizes, you, right? Some of you were here when the AC went off uh, about a month ago. Well, AC went off. We just deal with it. We didn't stop service, right? Ty, is the AC still off in Kingdom Kids? Well, the AC's broken today in Kingdom Kids. So Kim really wants me to end this thing because it is hot in there. (laughs) People matter to God. So that's what our priority is here. We do our best. We want this to be excellence. We want to do it well. We want all the tech to work. We want the live stream to go out. We want the donuts and everything, da 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 If you go out to the back in the patio, you'll see a great volleyball court, slip and slide. It's all, it's really nice. But it doesn't take precedence over people. Amen? It should never take precedence over people. And the things that you do in your faith the disciplines and the things the good things that you have structure please don't let ever let those externals take the place of Jesus please keep your heart tender to Jesus and if your heart is tender to Jesus your heart will probably stay tender to people cuz that's who Jesus was right mark 6:34 when he went ashore he saw a great crowd and he had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd And he began to teach them many things. See, Jesus, when he saw the crowds, he didn't rail on them. He didn't point his finger. You know what? The Bible says he had what? Compassion. See, there's a lot of anger in this country right now. There's a lot of bitterness and there's a lot of division in this country. And my question to you is, when you turn on the TV and you go on your social media and you do whatever and you see the crowds out there that don't know Jesus, you have compassion on them? You have compassion? Because Jesus said they were like sheep without a shepherd. Right? It doesn't mean you water down the truth. It doesn't mean you compromise. It just means you speak the truth in love. You just remember at one point you were them. You were just as lost. Without Jesus, you were just as spiritually blind as them. And yet over time, we get kind of like, do, 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 do. How could they? And I can't believe that. Do, 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 do. You were them. I was them. And so at a certain point, message, even as we head into you know, 2024 and all the election ramps up and yada, 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 Jesus saw the crowds with what? Compassion. Now, very important, compassion is not condoning. A lot of people get that mixed up. You can have compassion because you can understand without Jesus, they're spiritually dead, don't have life. The lost are going to act like the lost. Amen? How many of you remember when you were lost and acted like the lost? Talked like the lost? Did what the lost did, right? And how many of you are thankful that Jesus had compassion on you when you were lost? <laughs> right there. So as you look out onto the lost in this country and around the world, just remember that at one point we were all lost. And at one point, while you were and I were yet sinners, Christ died for us. That he extended, God extended his compassion to me, to you, when you were at your very worst. And he expects us, and he asks us to extend that same compassion to the lost, and even in the church. Colossians 3.12 says this, Put on then, as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, what does it say? Compassionate hearts. Kindness, humility, meekness, and patience. Bearing with one another, and if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other, as the Lord has forgiven you. So you also must forgive. And above all these, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. So compassion and love and forgiveness begins where? In the house of God. Compassion begins here, with God's children. Forgiveness begins here. Love begins here. There's your application Let it be here. Let it be in your house. Let it be at your work, wherever. And then when you go out into the community, your workplace this week, ask God to give you the lens of compassion because some of you right now are angry and bent at the world. The last thing you wanted to hear from me today was to have compassion on them. No. Have the same heart that Jesus did because he might just use you to bring someone to him. And the joy of watching someone get saved and transformed right before your eyes. Amen? Let's pray together. Father, thank you for your word. Jesus, you confronted the Pharisees about turning the Sabbath into a burden rather than a blessing. And I think this morning, Father, you're asking us as your children to be honest about whether or not we have turned the blessing of church, the blessing of the word of God, the blessing of prayer, the blessing of fellowship, the blessing of service, the blessing of giving, if we have turned these things into burdens rather than blessings. If over time the joy and the abundant life that you you came to give us, Jesus, has been sucked out of us because we're so consumed with externals and not messing up that we've lost the joy of the Lord. And so, Father, if that's us, we ask your forgiveness. And I just want to come back to following you, Jesus, the good news that it's really all good right now. It really is good, and we're good. And, Father, I pray for those this morning that may not know Jesus, that they would know that they matter to you, O God. They matter to you more than rules and rituals that you sent Jesus to be crucified and be raised from the dead because you love them, you have compassion for them. You want them to be born again into your family. You want them to be saved. And so this morning, if you are here, you're listening online, and you would like to respond to God's compassion for you, and receive the gift of salvation, then you can pray this, just in your own words, in quietness of your heart, between you and God. Say, dear God, thank you for having compassion on me. Thank you for your mercy. Thank you for your kindness. Thank you that even though I've been lost, I've been separated from you, you sent Jesus because you love me. And Father, in the best way I know how, I'm putting my faith in Jesus right now. I don't maybe understand it all, I don't get it all, but I... Believe this morning that Jesus Christ died for my sins, rose from the dead. And in the best way I know how I'm putting my faith in Jesus right now. Thank you, God, for having compassion on me. I receive that compassion, and I receive Jesus and the gift of salvation. We are going to uh, open the communion table. And once again, if you're new, the communion cups are here. You can come up when you'd like, and uh, go back to your seats, you can take communion on your own, or with your family, you guys can pray together, we don't really do it all together, we let this be a time of remembrance, personally, between you and Jesus, and uh, let you just have a time of prayer, okay, so uh, as you're ready, you can come up, take communion, and then Mark will close us for the day.
0: Well, good morning, everyone. (laughs) <laughs> I hope everyone's doing well. I have a few announcements um, for us today. The first one, I don't have to tell you this, we're all adults, but if you are sick, it's okay to stay home. We're aware that there's a flu going around the valley through the high school. Unfortunately, it's going through um, Continuing Care Center right now. So if you guys feel sick at all, it's okay to stay home. We have online services, so please join us there. And just another way, just to protect one another. So and it's it's okay again that you can stay home. I don't want you to stay home, but it, you you have my permission. That, that, you don't need it. But um, the next one is different ways to give here in offering for tithing. A lot of people don't know we have online tithing. We have the old fashioned boxes in the front and the back, and we don't do the passing of the. Um, I guess it's the plates anymore, but there's all different ways to give here. And you can set up monthly giving, or you can give on the way in and out. So I just wanted to remind everybody of that. And then as Matt says, afterwards is going to be off the hook. We have a slip and slide. We have a dunk tank where I think there's a rumor that Pastor Richie might be under there. (laughs) I know he volunteered me, so I brought my swim trunks too. And anybody can get under there. There's a slip and slide. We have a volleyball net. I'm in water balloon toss. We have root beer floats for a fundraiser for um, missions. I park, park at Mark because Mark's in charge of our missions. Um, so it's just going to be a great celebration of the family getting together and just having fun and just getting each other wet. If you don't want to be wet, you can stay on the inside. But a, a fair warning, if you're anywhere out and about, you're going to get wet. So it's going to be fun. So, Mark?
1: So the, uh, the root beer fundraiser is not for me personally. Though as much as I might like it to be, so it's not. We have ice cream. We have root beer, and it really is uh, just uh, fundraising for the Mexico mission trip that we're going on. There's, uh, we have twenty people signed up right now. So we're the Lord is really providing the people and providing the money. So far, we have raised ten thousand nine hundred dollars. Um, <laughs> So and I want to just – I think it's important to keep reminding everybody that we really have kind of three core churches that are involved in this mission trip that really partner together. So there's the Orchard Church back in uh, Virginia. I was just talking to some people from there. Yesterday, we have four people flying out from Virginia uh, to join us in uh, Ensenada, and they have actually raised and already provided $5,000 towards the construction of the house. Um, here at the well, actually, I don't have current numbers because Bill is gone this weekend. But as of last weekend, we had raised $900 here. And uh, actually, our partners and friends down the road, uh, the First Baptist Church has actually raised about 5000 themselves. So that's kind of where the whole money has come from so far. Um, Even though we've got 20 people, we do still have uh, room for a few more. So if the Lord puts it on your heart or you know someone who might like to go, it is not too late. Um, I do need to get people to register really within the next week or two. So if you're really thinking about it or you're kind of on the, the bubble, talk to me. Just... You know, hold your nose and jump in. Come on down with us. We've still got some openings. Um, And the last thing, uh, there's some uh, flyers out on the uh, welcome cart, and there's a sign-up sheet. We are having the taco bar like we had back in May. Did everybody like those tacos back in May? Uh, Our own Tyler Morris. Tyler's gone this weekend. uh, But Tyler and Dio and some other guys are going to be kind of barbecuing up taco stuff. It's going to be on Sunday, October 8th. Uh, So please make sure you're here that week, and we're going to be raising a lot of money that week, too. So um, those are the final announcements.